Just a heads up, this episode does contain some adult language. When you put a piece of writing out in the world, it's got to be able to elicit the same sort of questions that you have in your mind that everybody else would have out there. Why do you presume that you need all the answers when everybody else doesn't have all the answers? Welcome to the Creative Curry Podcast. My name is Dinesha. I am a storyteller and writer, and I am on the search to find the recipes behind a creative life. So what we're doing is we're bringing in creatives from all industries into the studio for me to interrogate them. I mean, question them and have conversations with them about the work they're doing and the stories that they are telling. This episode's guest is Sumitra Selvaraj. Sumitra Selvaraj is a Malaysian writer and broadcaster who, in her words, produces her best work under the influence of Chicken Burma. She began writing creative fiction in 2016 and her first short story, The Starlight Studio, was published by a Southeast Asian online literary journal. In today's conversation, we talk about Instagram and the stories and saris that Sumitra shares using the social media platform. She also shares unique perspective on her documentation and writing process. Towards the end of the episode, she reads a snippet of a story, Apas Mutton Curry, which was the runner-up for the 2016 DK Dutt Award for Literary Excellence and was subsequently published in Bitterroot Sweet Fruit. But before that, there was a slight technical issue with the first half of the conversation and so the audio may not sound as good as usual. We're sorry about that, but we think you should listen right to the end because this episode is not one you want to miss. So with that, here's Sumitra Selvaraj. Sumitra, thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> uh, we've had a lot of fun actually before we've been started recording. <laughs> so it's going to get more fun, I think. Um, first question we asked everybody, where is the best curry? Where is the best? Uh, at the moment, it's likely to be in the back of my Amanapa's fridge. Okay. It's <laughs> probably... Day and a half, maybe two days old. It's likely to be fish. Hopefully, it's mutton. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of percolated over the last 24 hours to become this really deep, rich, satisfying mm, that you need to have with crisp roti chanai. Okay, but maybe a place where our listeners don't have to go and raid your parents' kitchen? Like a restaurant? Who goes to restaurants? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I, I, no, I'm really. Oh, Krishna Curry House. Krishna Curry House okay. in section fifty-two. Oh, PJ, this is PJ. Yes. Okay, yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll yeah. somebody will figure it out. Cycle and carriage uh, off the federal highway. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Krishna Curry House. Yeah, huh? Auntie Rani there does amazing curries. Her she does clay pot chicken curries and clay pot Ooh. mutton curries. Very, very Okay, I feel like we every every time we ask this recommendation and then we get hungry. Just it's it's all the time. We must start doing a list of just going and eating all these curries. No, speaking of curry, um, I want to be able to address something that one of your previous guests, whom I won't name, <laughs> Melissa, um, <laughs> mentioned about the fact that you know curry doesn't really have a meaning. Curry does have. A okay, meaning. okay. Who throwback? Oh. Curry um, comes, or curry is likely to come from the Tamil word curry, which means charcoal. And curry is not a um, 
standalone word in the Tamil language. Uh, it's always atikari, which is mutton mm. curry, or koli curry, which is chicken curry, or even bendiya um, curry, onion curry. So curry refers to the whole idea of something being blackened over a stove. And when you think about it way back when, curry was usually cooked over a charcoal stove. So that's where curry comes from. Curry is a thing. Okay. 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 Yeah, because I watched that episode of that subsequent podcast that Melissa recommended uh, about. But then now that I, now that we, we've added hindsight of what you're saying, it adds a lot more dimension because I think the the people also who did that podcast episode mm-hmm. where they dived into curry were also approaching it with the English language as their primary language. So they were not necessarily aware of the Tamil language nuances like you're saying now. Well, neither were the British when they came and stole and raped our language. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. How do I how do I divert from that? I've got no way to divert from this. <laughs> To Sumitra's childhood. Yes. <laughs> no, I think, I just to give our listeners a bit of an idea, I think you and I had a conversation together with a fellow artist, Vashalini Naidu, at the beginning of 2019-ish. I think, and to this day, it's one of the conversations that really stand out as one of my highlights of 2019. Wow. Just because I think it was this conversation on identity that I think... <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, this conversation on identity that I have never had the chance to converse on with someone who because it's not exactly a conversation I can have with parents. Like now we are starting to have these kinds of conversations because of my experience with like theater and arts and we're able to go there with regards to how our identity manifests with our work, how our identity manifests with all of the things we do. So I wasn't able to have it before. And theatre and arts has allowed me to go into those nuances. And I think it stood out for me because of that reason, right? So having known that we've already had that conversation, we didn't really talk about your childhood, now that I think about it. We didn't really go into that. Were you creative as a kid? Were you... No. Immensely so. Um, I <laughs> had an um, incident where I decided that I had a particularly... I had a particularly... Um, creative day and I needed to to paint a scene that I saw in my head and there was no paper available. There was paint, but there was no paper, but there was a wall. There was a garden wall available and I, I painted my creativity on that garden wall and three hours later I had to remove my creative creativity with a toothbrush. Oh my God. It took me quite a few hours. Um, and I was told that I was allowed to express my creativity any way I wanted to, except on freshly painted walls. <laughs> oh, just fine. Okay. Just fine. Right, right, right. Um, I was creative as a child because I found um, a regular sort of output quite different. I was likely dyslexic. Um, I went to a Montessori education kindergarten, which managed to train a lot of uh, my trouble with writing out of me. Um, and they trained in a very, very gentle way. I didn't have to write a certain way. I, I didn't have to um, say things in a certain way. I just had to 
feel my way through language, which was, I think, kind of ideal. My first report card, which I often reference very often, uh, says uh, Sumitra is uh, extremely creative, but she often has her head in the clouds. Not much mm. has changed in 40 years. <laughs> okay. When you say likely dyslexic, has that diagnosis changed? No, it hasn't. Okay. I still have a lot of trouble with um, <clears throat> many parts of language. Um, uh, I still cannot tell left from right to save my life. Uh, a lot of other things have changed over the years, but uh, math was very, very difficult for me as a child, uh, despite me doing ad maths uh, for uh, A-levels, or rather O-levels and then A-levels. Uh, it was it, Numbers and words were not my... Well, not my friends on the page, but they were my friends in my head. Mm. But that's but that's interesting considering words is on that list of things that were not your friends, but it's now a huge part of your career with the writing that you do and the writing that gets published. Yeah. So the reason for that is because um, the words stayed in my head. To this day, I find it more difficult to put words down on paper as opposed to creating scenes in my head. So if you show me something like peanuts in a jar, I will talk about peanuts in a jar huddled together in a rugby scrum, possibly having a conversation about things that they don't want to have a con they don't want anybody else to hear about. Oh. I see. I see scenes in my head and words spill, but to write them down on paper is hard for me. Okay, is it different when it's on the phone, like typing it out on phone and things? Perhaps, perhaps because I don't have to actually um, physically make the script out. Um, okay, but in general, it's it's harder for me to write than it is for me to speak, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we should we talk about the book? <laughs> <laughs> the, you, <or> lack thereof. <laughs> writing a book has been the one thing that has haunted me for so many years for so many years people have said to me you my goodness Sumitra you speak so well you like the English language so much why don't you write a book and this has dogged me for the last 30 years of my life I, I still can't do it I think I think I lack the discipline and I think I lack the ability to be able to uh, be confident enough in my words to sit down and say I can string them together for 80,000 words and it'll be fine. But yeah, I, mm. I can't do it, man. I mean, okay. But I can write a post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because if you went back and like collected all your Instagram posts, mm -hmm. that's a book. Not quite yet. Okay. Not quite yet. It still okay. requires a little bit more effort to be... Yeah, it would be a lazy book. Yes, 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 yes. It might be a book by Malaysian standards. <laughs> but, but, Shots you know, fired. Oh, but, you know, we don't want to do that, do we? For the good of the industry. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. For the, for the good of the people. Let's not do that. <laughs> okay, we've gone, we've gone, we've gone to Instagram already. And I think... I mean, we talked about posts. Generally, just generally. Yeah, yeah, we've just mildly creeped into it. Oh, glad you said creep, because that is a lot of what Instagram is. Mm. Um, yeah, this whole idea of a sari-clad woman seems to bring out the um, caterpillars from Instagram. I, I don't know what exactly it is, but... They see enough of them in real life. So, you know, why would they get so titillated by the idea of seeing them on Instagram? I don't know. 
Which interesting choice of word. Caterpillars. Oh, you don't like caterpillars. Okay. I'm waging war against them at the moment in my house. They are attacking a particularly favorite flower bush of mine. And um, my way of dealing with them is I take the higher ground, I pick them off, and I leave them in the middle of the road for the crows because I think this is a circle of life, bitches. <laughs> I'm going to die from laughter. <laughs> No, it's true, right? Yeah. I mean, you eat the flowers. I mean, the crows should eat you, and everybody's happy. Casey, Masina. Circle of life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but you, do you want to talk about these men for a bit? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this is the TED Talk. Because <laughs> I, I think I. Would you like to know about these men? Oh God, I don't want to know anything about them actually. I, I think. Maybe I'm curious how because I think anybody who's ever put themselves online mm-hmm. has been subjected or will be subjected to some form of scrutiny, yes. some form of like um, reaction. People will always have a reaction, mm-hmm. okay? And I think anybody who is thinking of this idea of being insta famous or any of those things don't understand the possible repercussions or the reactions that it may get that might be negative. So how do you process that? So I think you need to be able to filter it down to uh, what the social media scene is all about, right? When you put yourself out on a public profile, it's no different from mm, putting yourself out in the public sphere. Yeah. So if you are a certain character, if you speak a certain way, if you dress a certain way, if you don't kind of conform to society's norms, but choose to continue to live amongst people, then you will be subject to a certain amount of scrutiny, right? Social media is no different. Mm. And I stand by the fact that there is no issue with there being scrutiny. Mm. There are going to be busybodies anywhere on social media and off social media as well. Um, But the crux for me lies in how you choose to deal with them. Mm. In real life, if somebody came up to me and say, Are you such a pretty girl you are? Why don't you wear a putti? I'd say, No, auntie, I cannot. I'm so sorry. I don't feel like it today. Or perhaps my husband has died, auntie. How do you know why? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If you are going to come up to a complete stranger and say to them that you should dress a certain way, you've got to be able to handle the response that comes with it. Yeah. Likewise, on social media, if you choose to put yourself out there, you've got to be able to handle the fact that there are plenty of busybodies, creepies, weirdos, nutcases, who will turn around and say, are you show me bobs and vagine? Mm. What are you going to do? Shut it all down and say, oh my God, I can't ever be on social media ever again. They're going to be there anyway. You might as well stake your claim to your space. Why won't you? If you will in real life, if you will say, this is who I am, this is who I insist on being, why won't you do the same on social media? Mm. Right. Would you, would there be anything that, how does the, when, when you see it, what is your immediate reaction? How do you, like what, what, yeah. To the stupidity? Yeah, to the stupidity. Ah. 
because at the moment it's 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 comments and I would imagine DMs as well, right? Direct messages. DMs to a less extent. Okay. If they've come to realize that if they DM me, they will get named and shamed in my stories and in my fabulous new highlights category called entitled much. <laughs> yeah. So they realize it it makes no difference, right? No, DM or comment, it's going to be public. Yeah. Exactly. So, um So how do I deal with them? Uh I you know what? As unfair and as horrible as it sounds, I deal with them depending on what I feel like on the day. And I know that this is inconsistent. I know that this is being terribly unfair on on all creepies out there. I'm sorry all creepies out there. I'm sorry I don't treat you all the same, but what I can say is I don't really have time to deal with all of them all the time. Yeah. If some of them choose to cross my path and I have the time and the inclination, I will call them out. But most of the time I don't and they get ignored. And I know that's not really a fair thing to say or do, but that's the reality of it. Hm. Has has there ever been a moment where you So would you say that also it, it's a level of if there's something going on in your personal life in the moment would it be extra harsh because you're sort of channeling that emotion in their direction? Yeah, well not so much yeah I suppose personal life is is a good way of putting it because the place that all of this started was probably about I'd say just over 2 years ago I'd been on Instagram at that point I'm I'm guessing just over a year I hope it was just okay. over a year um Maybe less. I'm not sure. So this would be 2016, 2017. No, I, I'm guessing 2015. 2015. Okay. 2016. Whenever I started. No, 2016 is when okay. I started. I'm sorry. I'm so yeah. scatty about this. No worries. Um, but yes, uh, I had a particularly hard day at work. I, I was the executive producer of a television talk show, and it was a it was a fairly horrible day. I remember, and uh, I, I finished work. and i i came out and i was walking to my car and i and i read this comment uh about you know your 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 hip is really sexy in a sari show me more and i snapped and you know i looked at the profile there was a dm i looked at the profile of the man who sent it to me it was just a, a it was a private profile but it was a name um attached to it and there was obviously a photograph and I took a screenshot of the photograph and I enlarged it and I saw the name of his company and I wrote to his company which happened to be in Bombay India and I said this man if he happens to be a staff of yours has harassed me on Instagram and I double checked I cross checked the information on LinkedIn happened to be the same person and I said I'm not in favor of your staff harassing me on what is clearly office hours and you know what an hour later the hr head wrote back to me and she said i'm so so sorry this has happened she said i don't want it to be an excuse but this man is going through a particularly hard time in his life he's going through a divorce xyz uh but it's not an excuse we're going to ban him from instagram during office hours and we offer you our unreserved apologies and i tracked this entire thing thing via instagram as well while it was happening and you know people were saying to him oh my god you're so bold my husband said to me Uh, at that point in time when i told him what was going on he said i can't believe you're doing this is it is it necessary and i said yes it's necessary uh he said but you don't do this to everybody and i said you're right i don't but this man caught me at the wrong time on the wrong day and am i sorry that it might have cost him his job yes yes i'm sorry because i'm not that sort of person but neither am i the sort of person who will put up with shit mm 
on social media. Why can't I be both? Yeah. It's the duality of being, right? It is intersectionality 101. Mm. Why can I not be both? Mm. Mm. Okay. Has there ever been an incident that you wished you'd said something but didn't? Never. I have always, always called out behavior when and if I choose to. I don't think I have any regrets. I mean, there have been incidences in my youth, of course, mm. when I wish that I had the wherewithal and the, the gumption to be able to stand up to, to people older than me who were bullies, basically. Mm. Um, but that's a function of my youth. I, I did not have it in them. If they came across 42-year-old Sumitra, then it would be a completely different kettle of fish. For those of you who don't know, this podcast is produced by Poet X, Malaysia's first ever poetry podcast. Check them out at Poet X Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And now, back to the episode. Do you think do you think it's something that was a mix of the way you were raised or do you think it's age or is it both? Like just that having that growth is what has allowed you to be able to reach this point where you're able to see it as it is because a lot of us have filters right society has put filters there family has put filters there and we keep the filters there or we hide behind these filters Mm. Mm. so i grew up in an extremely liberal nuclear family you've got to forget the 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 extended family but in terms of my mom and dad they were for um, indian parents very un-indian um i i won't kind of throw them under the bus here and Sure. you the number of times that they let us have steak. No, we have steak all the time. <laughs> we never went to the temple. <laughs> oh, it was just not that sort of childhood. My parents were not those sort of parents. Uh, and I didn't have a traditional Indian upbringing. I had a very liberal Indian upbringing. My dad worked for a French plantation company. My upbringing, because I think of his... Job was incredibly socialist. Uh, it was very fair and very egalitarian in many ways. And it was very equal. There was conversation at the dinner table. And I know, and I know because I have been told and because I've had conversations over and over again, this is not a normal Indian girl childhood. It isn't. And I don't, I don't profess it to be. I don't say that I grew up like everybody else. I didn't. I grew up with parents who believed in Scrabble and road trips and books. books. Oh my God, books! Uh, books until I I did not know what to do with books. Kind of books. Um, my dad used to read to me every night when I was a child, uh, when I was a baby, and uh, up to the age of I don't know when he used to read every single night to me. Uh, and then they'd go out after that and they'd go to the pub or they'd go play squash or whatever. But yeah, it was a very, very different upbringing. And I am immensely grateful to my parents for that upbringing because a couple of years ago, I went to a, a writing workshop. And in that workshop, we played this little game, which I had never ever played in my life before, where they got all the participants to stand in a line and you had to either step forward or step backwards depending on a life experience. Mm. And it's a game that's meant to show you uh, 
that the circumstances in your life can affect you greatly. Um, and yes, there were a couple of um, questions asked that I did step, take a step backwards, mostly due to my own personal experiences. But I realized at the end of the experience when I was near at the front of the class, in fact, I was probably right at the very front, I turned around and everybody was behind me. And I realized that every single question I said yes to was because of the opportunities that my parents had afforded me. Mm. And it's them. It's them who encouraged the learning, it's them who encouraged the, the reading. And it wasn't in a traditional manner either because I wasn't a good student. I wasn't somebody who easily took to lessons. I certainly wasn't somebody who took easily to, to formal education. But they stood by me. Mm. Which, is, which is so interesting because most parents nowadays think that the only way to get a child, to give a child these opportunities is through formal education. It's through very formal, rigid forms of learning, right? Because it seems more like it was more of a household that just encouraged learning with the books that were around, this idea of Scrabble. The fact, I think one of the reasons why a lot of kids pick up reading is because they saw their parents reading. Yeah. Or in your case, your parents were reading or reading to you. And I think I know that's how I picked it up because I know my parents were reading all the time. Yeah. And so I saw them and like, oh, that's normal behavior. I shall pick up a book. And books were encouraged. I mean, there were subscriptions to Reader's Digest, there were encyclopedias in the house. It was a constant influx of what would you like to read next? If you ever ran out of... They, they would perhaps balk at the idea of buying you another toy, not that I ever asked, but they would never say no to a book. Hmm. Ever. Yeah. Okay, let's do a <clears throat> rewind a little back to Instagram. Mm -hmm. We've talked about a um, little bit about the entitled men. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the audience, just that as a general broad of audience who consume your posts and your pictures and things like that. I would imagine a lot of them would look at you and think, I mean, I, I see the comments sometimes of the number of sari, very similar accounts that follow. Uh, other women also wearing saris, documenting their process with the saris and things like that. And I think would imagine a lot of them would look at you and see, oh, thousands of thousands of followers. And they'll be like, I want that. This is the career, uh, for lack of a better word, that I want. I want this account. I want this space. I want this platform. But for their understanding, could we maybe track that beginning of 2016 to where it is now? What has that process been from like coming up to hashtags like Dash and Chief's Tales, the idea of um, you do a weekly sari. Yeah. Right? A sari roundup. Your week in saris. There is the daily posts. Yes. Uh, there is three, three ish, if possible. One, I would think. One to three. On. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I'm very curious about what that process is as well. But I think we'll dive into that a bit. But let's track that journey a bit. Okay. So um, this was back in 2015, 2016. I had started a blog at that point in time called Saris and Stories just to try and instill a little bit of um, discipline mm. in, in writing, okay. which, as you already know, I'm terrible at <laughs> So I thought maybe if I write one blog post a month, I'm good kind of thing. Um, and then I started a new job, and this was in twenty end of 2014, I believe. And um, I started working with a whole bunch of, of young people, millennials. <laughs> um, and, you know, they were like, my goodness, 
promise you wear a sari every day to work. That's so beautiful. We've got to get you on Instagram. And I was like, Insta what? <laughs> and so the first few photographs of my sari of the day, me standing in a corner, very kaku, like this hands on the side, glowering into the camera and, and just describing literally my sari and its color and its weave. And, and that was it. And the idea behind it was solid. You know, they said to me, you need to be on Instagram. And I sat down and I thought about it and I thought, what a great way of documenting my weaves. And the reason why I wanted to document my weaves is because at that point in time, 80% of the saris that I wore were from my grandmother and mother. Yeah. And they were not going to last forever. Mm. They were not. So I thought how fabulous to be able to just get it down onto a, a kind of um, permanent-ish, depending on how much you believe in the cloud, yeah. uh, format yeah. and be able to just write, you know, what the sari meant to me and let it go. And, and so that's how it started. And then a couple of weeks in, I realized that, ooh, there's a word count or a character count on this Instagram thing and I can write. And, and I started just kind of spilling my thoughts. And I've always, I've always, always been a stream of consciousness kind of writer. That's me. I, I, I can't do this amazing constructed, you know, character here, character that I dump. <laughs> Come home, dump whatever's in my head onto paper kind of thing. And so that's how it started. And I started writing the first few posts and people were like, oh, that's really interesting. I said, oh, okay, I shall keep writing that. And I did. And I don't, I don't know how the followers came. I, I didn't mm. do anything to encourage them or I used hashtags. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. From the very beginning? No. no. Okay. No, I didn't know what hashtags were. <laughs> I am 42 on Gen X. Um, so I, yeah. yeah. So when did you start using hashtags? Do you I know? Do you know? You don't know. Just no, suddenly started. At some point, yeah. I would have started using hashtags and I got very excited. And I thought, ah, 30 hashtags. Can you use all 30? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you learn that, you know, you should not use all 30 at the same time. And you should not use them in the body of your post because that's just tacky, darling. Mm. Just use them in the comment section so nobody knows what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Revealing all the secrets. Okay. <clears throat> there is no secret to being on Instagram. No, my secret is that I am exactly the same person who I am on Instagram and off Instagram. And this surprises a lot of people who meet me. Number one, they say to me, oh, you look exactly the same. Yeah. I got no time to have makeup artists come to my house at 6.30 in the morning, slap three inches of wall paint on before I go to work or anything like something. Come, Madam, let me dye your sari for you. No, I'll tie my own saris. Thank you very much. Uh, like some sari attendant in the corner, right? Yes. Just like, right. The, the, the most help I get with my pleats is, you know, Jeeves accidentally stepping on my pleats and them all coming out yeah. and I having to retie them. Yeah. I don't have any help. So the whole idea of Instagram for me was just to document me. I wear a sari every day to work. I have done for a long time. It's not some sort of cultural I'm such a good Indian girl kind of thing it is not my mother wore a sari every day to work and when it came time for me to go to work I didn't know any other option rather than wearing saris not because she told me to she was quite horrified she said why don't you wear some of those new fangles pencil skirts that everybody's wearing 
And she was right. Pencil skirts are sexy as fuck. Why didn't I wear them? They're wonderful. <laughs> I should have. Yeah. Um, I did at some point with knee-high boots, and mm. they worked very well. Yeah. When I worked in PR, uh, but saris also work for me. Mm. Yeah. Do you do you ever think there will come a point uh, for listeners who uh, listeners who are also odd? your audience who has sort of tracked you over the years, do you, do you think there'll ever come a point where they would see you in something other than a sari? Not on Instagram. Okay. I mean, because, see, I'm very clear about the purpose of Instagram for me. The purpose of Instagram for me is to document my sari of the day. It's not to document my life. Mm. You don't know what goes on in my life. Sari of the day is a, a kind of quick snapshot of what I'm wearing and what my day was like when I'm wearing it. Yes, of course, I make no bones about the fact that I'm in a shorts and t-shirt most of the other times of the day. When I'm out and about in my local mall, I'm usually for brunch, I'm in, you know, little roll-up shorts and t-shirt. Nobody recognizes me. I've sat next to colleagues before in the next table and they've not recognized me. Just now. because you're not in the sari. Yeah, because I'm in a baseball cap and shorts. Who's going to recognize me? Just imagine like some celebrity... Hiding from paparazzi look I'm on not, you. I'm in plain daylight. I'm not hiding from anybody. But I will say that I make it a point because of what my platform has become. I make it a point of not having random people photograph me in public places as a promotion for what they're doing. Like if I go to a bar, for example, sometimes people come up to me and say, oh, did you like the drinks? Can we take a photograph? I'm like, is it going on your Instagram? And they say, yes. I do not want to be seen as endorsing anything because mm. I know that's what they're going to use it for. Yeah. I worked in public relations. Yeah. I yeah. know how this spiel works. Does it happen a lot? I don't go out. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it happens okay. once every six months when I do go out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but this is obviously they're seeing you in a sari lah. So it's not like they're seeing you in normal wear. Like, People don't recognize me. Yeah. Maybe. At all, huh? They don't. It, mm. it, it's not. It's just not something that they kind of twig. Uh, yeah. Okay. It, it doesn't happen. Okay. And let's talk a bit about the writing that accompanies these pictures. Yes. Um, is it something that was it always daily? Was the documentation element always a daily yes, thing? Yes. Okay. I, I wanted to do a sari of the day because well because I always wore a sari. You know, there's a sari every day, and and there were a lot of weaves, a lot of saris to document. So it was always going to be a daily thing, and it started off as a daily thing. Um, when did it progress to more than once a day? Uh, when I had more than, I don't know how many characters there are on Instagram to say something. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is going to sound really awful, but I've got to say it. Uh, writing's not hard for me. Mm. When I sit down and I write a post, it, it, it takes me all of a, a minute. Uh, I, I don't edit. I don't have to write it down and, and kind of rejig it. I, I write as I go. And writing has never been difficult for me. And it won't be difficult for me. And I'm okay admitting that because I'm a writer. That's who I am. Yeah. Uh, it's not a strenuous process. It's not a process that I struggle over. And if I do, it means that there isn't a post to be written. Hmm. Okay. I don't force it. Yeah. And therein lies the difference between a one-day post versus a three-post day. Okay. But then wouldn't you need... So does that mean that there are days when you would take the pictures three times and only one post goes up? 
because there's always like a photo accompanied with the post, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. So I almost always take a, a close-up photograph to, be okay. able to show accessories, yep. um, and then I take a full-length photograph, um, and 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 that's it, really. Um, and I tend to take all the photographs either all in the morning or all, all in the evening. I don't really have time to, to space them out. However, if I'm at work, sometimes I do get the opportunity to have the work photographs taken there because I work with wonderful colleagues who will continuously take photographs for me in a very flattering angle. Thank you very much. <laughs> also, you've got amazing sunlight streaming through yes, your glass windows, as I remember very well. Yes. Yeah, it's a great runway yes. to take photos <laughs> in. If you ever want to progress, like, sorry, runway... Instagram story thingy majigis. <laughs> Tomorrow, <laughs> new one begins. <laughs> okay, so how did Dash and Jeeves become characters? These your two dogs. When did they become characters? And when did you? Because at the moment, based on our conversation, it's very much this stream of consciousness: what you're currently mm. feeling, what you're currently thinking. But when the moment when Dash and Jeeves comes into it, it takes on more of a short story. There are these are characters. Of sorts, but they're also a stream of consciousness. Really? Yeah. yeah thinking what I want them to think. I mean, I, I don't find it any. It again, it's not a. You see, Dash and Jeeps are interesting in the sense that, and I've always maintained this, right? I don't drag them into posts. Dash is a is a four year old dog who's madcap. You no, know? when I come home, he feels like I've been away for forty years. Okay? <laughs> As he, most dogs, he behaves in a manner like I've been away for forty years. So if I'm standing there taking a photograph, he wants to get my attention because generally I take my photographs as soon as I get home. Okay. And he's running around, he's attentive, and he's very affectionate. Jeeves is uh, blind and deaf, and therefore stumbles into photographs when he's awake. Occasionally, every couple of days or so, it happens. And it's purely by luck, right? The way their conversations happen is simple. They stump, I take my photo or my video, and they might be in frame or they might be partially in frame. And when I look at the photograph, the conversation appears. I know it sounds like magic, but it's not. Mm. But this is how I operate. Remember I told you earlier how... I see scenes in my yeah, head. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. I see an expression on their face or I see a tilt of their head or I see a position of their tail and it comes together. Hmm. Yeah. It, it, sounds, it sounds like um, the, the words I would use to describe it is that almost very in tune with your source of inspiration. Right, that that the moment you see something, this these ideas then pop into your head. And if they don't, I don't write it. Yeah. There, there are I have many photographs with Dash and Jeeves where I don't write anything at all. There are days where I don't post anything about them, even though they've stumbled into my photographs. If I don't feel like writing something, I don't feel like I should force it. Mm. So it's 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 very much an ease to it, a flow. Yeah. yeah? So how does that? How is that different? For example, if you were to write a story about characters, ah, um, forty-five minutes before the deadline, of <laughs> that deadline might be, I sit in front of my laptop with a large whiskey, and then I get up and I go and tell my husband I should have started earlier, and because he's a sweetheart, he'll say to me, "No, it's okay. You can do it." And then I sit in front of the laptop and I frantically bang something out and I hit send. (laughs) 
my process. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. Okay. No, I, I think I think the reason why it's so humorous to me is something we talked about earlier in the sense that uh, if Instagram is the way that people are usually interacting with you, they don't they they feel it's so. And I think I, I'm as your audience, as someone who's part of your audience, I would imagine that I've also considered, wow, it's so um, well put together, well curated, well. Um, it it feels like there's a team. Almost. But I'm you know? well put together and well curated as a person. Yeah. And I say this with no pretense whatsoever. I am. I know who I am and I know what I want to represent. And I don't make any, air, I don't have any airs and graces about me. And I can say that honestly. Yeah. Who you see in person, warts and all, is who you get on Instagram. Yeah. So why should the writing be any different? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I think I think what I meant by that is also this sense that your people would imagine when they when they read the posts or when they see the pictures that a lot of time has gone into it, like a lot of work has gone into it. Whereas I think what's happened also is this sense of it's was it hard initially when you first started? No, wasn't hard then. Mm. I am a writer. Yeah. The only pretense that I do is every now and then when I walk through the gardens, I walk through with my royal wave and, uh, you know, I just kind of throw people off by, you know, they look at me right, left and center and I'm like, royal wave, hello, nice to see you, lovely to see you. No, I don't do that. Stop <laughs> that way. I don't do that. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Writing is not hard. Mm. It will never be hard for me because I will only write when I want to. Okay. Could we track that much earlier then before you had a writing career? Yeah, yeah. Even okay. when I was younger, mm. I, I would write, not in a disciplined manner, but whenever I could write, I would write. Oh, I remember uh, when I was very young, I think maybe I was eight or nine, and I got, um, I did really well in an English test at school, and I got 99 and a half, because actually I got 100%, but the teacher said nobody gets 100 for English. Mm. So she only gave me 99 and a half. Um, and I was like, okay. It's all right. I don't know swear words yet, but <laughs> in your head, right? You're just just cursing the hell out of that teacher. Okay. Do you still um, remember that teacher? Um, no. I no. Don't okay. Unimportant people in their lives. I won't mention who else. Um, but yes, um, writing is not hard. Creativity is not hard. Uh, discipline is impossible. Hmm. Okay. And I will not make any bones about that. No, I. This, this is going to frustrate Sashi. This is going to frustrate my husband. I don't think I'll ever write that book, even though I've got a million ideas simmering about in my head. I don't think I. I have the ability to be able to sit down and write eighty thousand words. What if somebody gives you a deadline? And money. Yeah, like a book deal. <laughs> so we found a solution. <laughs> Penguin Southeast Asia, if you're listening, this is Sumitra Salvaraj and I live in Arada Mansara. <laughs> yeah, like a book deal. Book deal, money, and a deadline. Yeah. yeah, that might actually be the solution. Can you imagine now that we've put it out in the universe? Like like because of the way Google works, tomorrow penguin ads pop up everywhere. And penguin themselves calls you the moment this episode lands. Can we have that? 
<laughs> I feel like Sashi, your husband, will be very happy. I feel like I have accomplished something without even having this conversation with him. Hmm. Okay. Would you have you ever had conversations with people about their own creative process? Is that is that a conversation you would have with someone? I'm a terrible teacher. I feel that because I'm so indisciplined, I'm completely unqualified to do this whole thing of advice. Mm. Which is why I try very hard on Instagram to um, not do the weasel words. You know, I don't want to do the. We must all come together to change. This is our collective responsibility. Yeah, I don't really like that. I, okay. I, Yeah. I will accept responsibility sure. for this is what I would like to do differently. This is where I have fucked up. This is where I have made a tremendous error. Uh, and this is how I would like to change. Not we. Hmm. I, which is why I think I will never be a teacher. Hmm. Have people asked? I would imagine they have. Yeah, they have. I, I'm just not very good. I try to be constructive. I, and, and I can as an editor. As a writing editor, I can be constructive, but people just don't like to hear that they're writing a shite <laughs> for some strange reason. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just imagining people have come up to you with like their pieces of writing and then having you tell them that they're writing a shit and then like crying in the corner. Shite, darling. Shite. Shite. Huh? shite. shite. <laughs> Is that the, the, the cleaner version of shite? Well, oh, oh, no, I, I think I think the reason why I asked about whether the creative conversations are happening is because is this uh, the way you're in tune with, say, your sense of your flow of inspiration? Do you find that with other people? Have you had like, oh, we, we have very similar processes? Ah, no, this is this is uh, inherently difficult for me because I am. A, for all intents and purposes, a selfish creature. And I've never made any bones about this either. I, um, I don't know how to do things for other people. Perhaps that's why I don't have children. Mm. Um, perhaps. Maybe that's a large part of why I don't have children because it's something that I recognize in myself and I was open enough to be able to tell my partner that This is not something I'm able to do. I don't know how to give to other people. I, I, I don't. And, and I don't like the idea of telling other people how to lead their lives in whatever shape that might be. I don't even like telling people whether their grief is right or wrong. I'm like, wear a sari whatever way you choose to wear it. Why are you asking me whether it looks right or wrong? It, I will never be able to say to you that it does because to me, there is no right or wrong way. Likewise with writing, there mm. is no right or wrong way. If you ask me, do I like a piece of writing? I will very honestly tell you, no, I don't like it. Or yes, I love it. But that's not what people want to hear. So yeah, so for people who don't know that you have a system for the saris that you're going to wear, um, we've talked a bit about the system you have for the photography element, mm -hmm. but the sari that you're going to wear to work because it's more, it's, would you say it's more of a uniform? What, what would you describe this choice of sari to work? Maybe let's do that first. It's just my outfit. 
it's mm. just no different from what anybody else wears to work to work yeah okay uh, to play it's it's just a dress it's just clothing as far as i'm concerned um there isn't really a, a system i mean generally i've inherited most of my grandmother and my mother's workwear saris so they don't have like 16 kilos of gold on them and diamonds and all of that <laughs> so i can easily wear them to work without you know being worried about you know being robbed and things like that um but i don't have those sort of saris anyway it's it's not what my family collected it's 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 not part of who we are um my mum essentially wore saris to work and i wear saris to work so the saris that i wear are everyday saris basically they're very old fashioned saris as well for many intents and purposes what i'm wearing today is is one of my grandmothers from the 80s and it's just a simple printed silk sari that's kind of stood the test of time and that's to me to me that's what saris do they stand the test of time yeah they're about 6000 years old i mean they haven't really changed much in form they're a single unstitched length of garment worn both by men and women by the way people of all genders if you're looking at the true indian nature of a sari um and really it's it's a drape it's a drape that's meant to clothe you there is no right way to drape it around you there's no wrong way to drape it around you at the moment i think there's something like 80 or 90 different ways of draping a sari yeah, yeah. i've seen those videos mm. in that article that had all 80 plus beautiful no yeah yeah okay let's talk a bit about before we go into the short story a bit um has your writing been instrumental to other parts of your career with regards to like say currently being a host on a radio how has that maybe played together okay so i've written all throughout my career um but the i think the strength of m- me being a writer is that i am a diverse writer i i've never struggled with technical writing i've not st- Uh, creative writing is new to me it's something i've just picked up in the last couple of years but i can write i'm the sort of writer where you can give me anything in the world from uh how an embryo develops to the uh fall of an empire and everything in between i will be able to write about if you give me enough time to research it my approach to writing is there is no question i can have in my head that i can't put down on paper mm. and to me that's curiosity in writing right because when you put a piece of writing out in the world it's got to be able to elicit the same sort of questions that you have in your mind that everybody else would have out there why do you presume that you need all the answers when everybody else doesn't have all the answers as well Hmm. Um to me the idea of a piece of writing is to be able to evoke this sense of I want to know more. I want to find out more. Not to be spoon-fed everything that there is to be learnt in the world. Um so I've written everything uh, from travel writing to I started off my career as a as a fashion writer. Um that was fascinating. And then I moved on to Fascinating good, fascinating bad. Mm. Okay. There's only so many ways to describe denim, darling. Okay. <laughs> um and then, you know, I moved on to public relations where I looked after healthcare clients. That was 
interesting for me because of my background um, and then uh, I've done finance writing I've done I've done all sorts of writing but I do not think there's any sort of writing that I cannot do even if you came and told me that there is some new fangled kind of computery thing that you need to do I will learn it Mm. I will learn it and I will write about it. And if I don't know enough about it, I will work those questions into what I'm writing. Mm. So it's, it's interesting because you've now just sort of almost described it as almost as writing as almost a form of questioning. It is. Right? A form of curiosity. It always is. I mean, I'm not on any, I'm not under any um, presumption or idea that I am a writer who knows it all. I write to discover. Um, there is no other explanation for it. Hmm. And how does your different identities come in this questioning? Like, how does it arrive in the form of questioning? They don't. Um, I am, and I always have been, um, a person, a, a person of multiple uh, facets. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in a confluence. Okay. I I believe in. Yeah, I I believe in this idea that there are many many facets to who I am. They will never converge. Okay, and is there ever a feeling of because I think we've we've had this conversation, but also this idea that considering you wear a sari and a lot of people associate the sari with indianness is there ever a point where somebody has said something about your writing where um or put more tamil in it mm. or have more indianness in it has that ever has that interaction ever happened has that thought ever arrived okay um the thought has never arrived because i would only write what i want to know um but i find that by and large the people who are tempted to tell me what to do are very restricted in what they can tell me when it comes to culture simply because i am an indian woman in a sari and unless they are another indian woman in a sari mm. they can't they cannot and i'm not asking them to be either right sure. but can you imagine an indian man in mm. his uh, shorts and singlet and cap coming to me and saying actually tangji you should be writing more about you know this and that and the other and i'm sorry but who are you to tell me what to write about mm. they don't they don't even attempt and part of it has to do with the confidence that i exude right i think it can be overwhelming to a lot of people it can be detrimental to the point where i think a lot of people think that i'm unapproachable and i'm absolutely fine with that <laughs> right i am unapproachable yes let's let's, let's reinforce just, that let's just keep it at that yeah yeah um but i don't subscribe to this idea that you need to be able to tell people to present themselves in a certain way i i don't wear a sari because i i'm a paragon of culture at all i, I i'm not i'm a my whiskey swilling agnostic i i barely clean my house i am not the good indian wife i'm not mm. uh, but i i'm me i'm me every single damn day of the year 
flaws and all. And I think that would hold a candle to um, confidence far yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel that you want to... As I'm, Was there a lot of Indian mythology in growing up when you were reading and things? Yeah, yes, but uh, Greek mythology first. So I was brought up on a hefty dose of Greek mythology. And then when I was about six or seven, I discovered Indian mythology um, through no fault of my parents who uh, didn't take us to the temple. Uh, I discovered Amma Chitra Kada books oh my God, uh, yes. and, and I devoured them. But then again, I devoured everything that kind of crossed my path. I also devoured Norse mythology. And so mythology to me has always been this idea of escapism and the idea of worlds greater than my own and world building it was the earliest idea of world building for me i had a secret doorway under my appa's desk um, that led to a kingdom that was ruled by both indian and norse gods but you could only access it after 10 p.m at night okay yeah and i used to tell my brother every morning you missed out on such a great adventure. And he would cry. He would cry in frustration. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow night, if you can stay awake. But, you know, he went to sleep at 7.30 at night, so there was no chance of him being awake. <laughs> that sounds like a book. Yeah, no. Nice try. <laughs> I love how this episode has turned into me cornering Sumitra into a book. No. Right? That no. seems to be the conversation. But has, um, okay, do you, when you look for references, when it, because I think for a lot of people who grew up with a sense of mythology, when they're writing stuff, do you write poetry? I don't know. This is the greatest shame of my life. I don't know poetry. And I don't know how to explain to you that I don't know poetry. I don't read poetry. I don't understand poetry. I've tried writing poetry in as much as writing three lines that don't rhyme and it doesn't make sense to me. Okay, okay. So it do, doesn't, yeah. do you have to be a poetry sort to write poetry? I don't think so. I can't. Yeah. I don't know how to do it. Mm, I don't think It doesn't so. appeal to me at all. I have great trouble being pegged as a writer. I still don't know how to be called a writer. I struggle with the label. I've written stories that have been published. Yep. Don't really think I'm a writer. So what do you think a writer is, at least from your understanding? Books. Somebody has books and, you know, lots of... Yeah, yeah. and then who sits down at the computer every, like, day and does, like, seven hours of, like... And then the end of six months, book, book, book tour. That's not me. Okay. So did you ever... When you feel uncomfortable with this term of writer, what do you do? Do you still go with it? Because I think that's that's a genuine problem. A lot of people feel they're not writers. And then some external validation comes in and then they feel, oh, I'm a writer. I throw myself into the many other aspects of my life which I am good at. And that is the curse of being multi-talented. That I am not just a writer. I am a broadcaster, I am a domestic goddess, I am a a listener, I am so many more things than just a writer. Mm. So it's it's that idea of, did you have to cultivate those other 
facets of self? Because writing seems to be relatively easy. Easy. Uh, yeah. Domestic. Oh, domestic goddess. Easy. No okay. problem. No really? problem. Yeah, Nigella yeah. is crying. And Nigella Lawson is crying somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> she ain't got nothing on my mutton curry. Ooh. Um, was that a was that a throwdown? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I love you, Nigella. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just feel like an invitation to interview Nigella <laughs> for you is going to arrive in this week. I just, I just feel it. I just feel it. Nigella's going to come down. She wants to do a Malaysian thing, and they're like, Sumitra is the best person, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll just take the snippet of the interview and send it to her. No, um, it's. I like doing lots and lots of different things, but I'm under no impression that I'm good at any of them. And I'm kind of fine with it. I know it's a very frustrating um, kind of place to be, uh, to not want so many things. I don't. I, I'm, I'm chronically unambitious. Really? I am. I'm competitive. Okay. For Scrabble and trivia, general trivia but um pub quizzes don't don't get between me and a pub quiz um but in general i'm chronically unambitious and that's got a part a lot of it has got to do with my upbringing right i had a a privileged upbringing i Mm -hmm. will never shy away from the fact that it was privileged yeah Uh, will i want for money yes of course i will i i will get to a point where i will struggle but i'm not afraid of struggling yeah Hmm. I want to just a new question has come to me. So I'm going to jump back a bit to Instagram when so a lot of people also have this thing of this. this there is a moment when suddenly all these followers come in. Right. There is this point, like a turning point, a tipping point where uh, suddenly you've just there's something about your post, the right hashtag, the right picture. Was there ever a moment? So somebody else asked me this uh, about a year ago. uh, And I made, because I haven't been on Instagram for that long, I could go back and have a look at the posts. There wasn't wasn't a tipping point at all. It was a gradual. And and this is, I think, the difference between somebody who organically grows their account versus somebody who um, does something very different. I haven't really done anything markedly different with my account. Then when it started, my sari of the day hasn't changed. My stream of consciousness hasn't changed. Mm. Do you find your writing has gotten... Has your writing changed? Yes. In, 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 it, in the fact that I have uh, found that I am a lot more able to express a whole load more different kind of facets of my being. When I first started, I thought very much it was going to be about my saris. And then because I discovered that there was X number of characters and I could write about what I was feeling, um, then it kind of spilt over to me writing about what I thought. And, and, And what I think and what I want to champion aren't very different. It's exactly the same thing. I, I would never profess to champion something I didn't know anything about. Mm. Has there ever been a case of a brand? I would imagine, you, do you get brand deals? People who want you to advertise their stuff? Like, you know, you talked about earlier about being photographed in spaces. Do brands get in touch? Businesses yes, asking? vendors yeah. get in touch all the time um, mm. to um, kind of... Um, uh, uh, display their saris mm-hmm. and my uh, my modus operandi is always the same 
I don't charge for SMEs. I don't charge for small businesses. I never have for the last three years. Mm. Um, you want to send me a sari for me to wear? If I, as long as I like the sari and it's something that I will absorb into my daily wardrobe, I'll take it on. No worries. Have you had to say no? Plenty of times. Okay. I say no almost as much as I say yes. I, I don't need any more bridal saris. I'm not planning on getting married anymore. <laughs> the moment anyway <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not so yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah the, the saris that are uh, too blingy or too ornate or just don't appeal to me I, I say no to I say no to uh, jewel a uh, lot of jewelry I say no to accessories I say no to holidays I say no to lifestyle eh, it's, uh, I, I'm not an what's that word influencer oh yes Kind of sounds like the disease, no influenza. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you've made that reference, <laughs> cannot remove it from my head. Even holidays. Mm. Wow. I would think that's the one thing people would struggle to say no to. This, like, you know, it's this getaway. This. I, it's not me. I, I, I don't. I don't need it. Not that I don't want a holiday. I'd love a holiday, but it's. I would never represent myself differently on Instagram than I am in real life. I would never do it. It's just not. I, I have done a couple of different products. Um, very cleverly, Philips reached out to me a couple of years ago saying, oh, we want to send you a new steam iron that's perfect for your saris because it's extra wide. And they were absolutely right. It was fantastic. It was so good. Mm. Um, and, and, and I gave them the feedback. And, okay. I, and I accept. But other than that, I don't do food reviews. I don't do... People are always offering me free biryani. I always say no. But it's just, that's such a, that's like a complete, not un, a complete sense of not even understanding what you're doing on your Instagram, right? Really? I but mean, I'm no, sorry, no, no, so for them, for them, like the brand. Yes. Yeah, when they look at you and they're like, but it's like, she never takes pictures of her food. Why would you give her biryani? Yeah, no, so, and it, but it also frustrates a lot of people, know, that I'm so adamant about what I, I, a watch brand whom I shall not name Daniel Wellington got very very upset that I refused to endorse them and, and you know just kind of stopped um, responding to my messages when they in fact kind of wrote to me and said would you like to do this and I said no thank you I appreciate you re reaching out to me blank nothing oh uh, okay I'm sorry I'm sorry I didn't like your crappy watch my recovery is so hard in this episode because I'm just like, oh, shock. And then laugh, laugh, laugh. How do I get back to this? Okay. Right. Yeah. You don't have to. Well, I have nothing against influencers. I used to be mm. exceedingly hard on them early on in my Instagram experience. Sure. But I've come to realize that, listen, everybody's on Instagram for a different reason. Sure. If I defend the reason why I'm on Instagram so vehemently, then everybody else is allowed to do the same as well. Mm. So if you want to be on Instagram to make money, good on you. And I hope you make that money. I'm on Instagram because I like documenting my salary of the day and I occasionally get free saris. Yay. That's that clarity, right? Yeah. That you started it with that intention. That intention and purpose was very clear. Mm. Whereas for a lot of people, the intention and purpose is, say, to get X. Yes. And so therefore, then they're just trying to find ways to get to X. Oh, and Dash and Jeeves get dog treats. because oh, they, really? they, they, oh, nice. yeah, they They have their own following. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, don't, but don't let it... Yeah, they're, they're divas like that if okay. you talk too much about it. So let's not get them Their too own much. Instagram account. No. <laughs> Has anyone suggested it to you? Mm -hmm. I would imagine, no? 
repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what, what what is your response like? No. Okay. No. Just that. As long as you live under my roof, you follow my rules. Okay. That sound mildly familiar. Yes, I'm a <laughs> Yeah, that was that was yeah that took a turn. Okay, yeah, I think let's do the story. Oh, story. Okay, Um, because this is the Creative um, Curry podcast. It is only uh, fair to read a snippet from my Appa's mutton curry, which was the runner-up at the 2018 DK Award for Literary Excellence. Okay. I learned how to cook by first watching Appa from my playpen stationed in a corner of the kitchen where I'd be handed empty pots and pans to clang and mimic his movements. When I was old enough, I was invited to sit quietly at the kitchen table, sorting and picking through rice for tiny stones and husks. Once I was deemed tall enough, I could help with the washing up in the sink as I slowly edged closer towards the stove, where my father tossed ingredients and condiments into his cast iron quali with alarming confidence. But there was still the trial by fire to pass before actually being allowed to stand next to my father. Lekshmiaka was the guardian of the gate, she who prepped. To get to her exacting standards in chopping onions, mincing ginger and garlic and dicing vegetables with military precision. She kept me at the station for years and if I longingly gazed at the flashing spatula in my father's hand for more than 30 seconds, a scant five feet away from me, she'd wrap my knuckles with a carrot and order me back to peeling and slicing. As much as I detest prep work then, it is to her that I owe my ability to break down a chicken into 12 pieces in under two minutes. Hmm. I love how... And that's not even the full story right but it captures this 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 amazing snippet of kitchen life and your childhood all wrapped up and this was 45 minutes before the deadline fairly close (laughs) (laughs) was there editing like i'm wondering is there an editing because you've mentioned streams of consciousness instagram not a lot of editing or no editing no part of my stubborn nature is that when i write something and then i pass it to my husband to say tell me what you think and he tells me what I think. I grab it back and say, well, you don't know anything you're talking about. <laughs> it's fine. No, I'm terrible. I'm terrible with editing. This is my flaw. This is my weakness as a writer. I do not allow myself enough time for rewrites. Okay. And I think this is what, this is what will make me a better writer. If I am able to write things, not 45 minutes before a deadline, but 40 days before a deadline and then to leave it and then to come back to it to reread it and then to be able to revisit it with fresh pair of eyes i never leave myself enough time to do so every time i write something i go back to it and i read it and i think to myself even if it's published i think it could have been so much better even this the snippet that you just ah, read, yeah what would you change so wordy <laughs> No economy of words. Alarming confidence. Just confidence, Mitra. What alarming confidence is there? Was it was this what Sashi said when you get No, no, okay, okay. no he would never say things like that. He's very sweet. He's very supportive. My my husband was the first person who said to me, um, very early in our courtship, I would share with him um, bits and pieces of my scribblings and writings and he would say to me, You should write and 
um, I would say that's very nice it's just because you want to date me and it was not true he was just being very honest and genuine and when we got married um, so she uh, I moved from from KL up to Penang and, and our first Christmas uh, together he gave me a brand new laptop and he said it's because that you're born to be a writer and I I just never believed him even when I published my first story I just didn't believe him but he's been the one person who's always um, sat by me and always said you need to write even today he, even as hard of a situation we may be in financially you know even if we both need to work and we both need to bring in the money if I turned around and I said to him I think I feel a story in me he would turn around and say quit your job go and write we'll manage hmm. well, is this also the, th the thought that came to me is that if he listens to this do you think he'll be a bit more he might send out the email to Penguin himself <laughs> I think he already has. <laughs> has he? Do you no, know? Okay, no. Okay. Yeah, for Stop. all you know, he's like sending out to publishers, just like taking a writing and sending it out. No, no, no he no, would never can. do that yeah. because he is, uh, he is, you know, he he, he works in, in, in leadership training and if, if there's anything that he believes in, he believes in, in people being self-starters and he believes in you reaching your, your own kind of destiny, whatever it is. He's just... I, you know, unfortunately, unfortunate enough to, to be married to me who's not a self-starter. <laughs> <laughs> does he struggle with that, apart from writing? No, because, yes, of course he does, because he's so, he's such a, uh, he's not just committed, he's so goal-driven. And uh, I, I know it must frustrate him, which is why my small successes please him to no end. And, and, and I do, I, I do want to be able to to write that book to, to show him that, here it is, but I don't know how to. <laughs> okay. All right, we've reached the end-ish of the episode. Ish. Where we come to the rapid-fire question. Wow. Yeah, so the, so the episode ends with a, sort of a rapid-fire four questions. Okay. Um, I ask for advice, which is hilarious because there's a point early in the episode where you're like, I don't give advice, which is, yeah, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, the idea of the rapid-fire also is... To sort of tap into the, the same way that inspiration and writing flows out of you, uh, tap into an instinct, um, an immediate instinct. If someone is in a certain, certain circumstance, what advice would you give them? Okay. Okay. So four questions. First question, if someone is, say, starting for the first time in their own creative pursuit, right? Some sort of creative endeavor and things like that. What creative advice would you give them? Fail. Fail miserably at what you are starting out to do. And that... I can only presume could be achieved by doing something, whether it is writing or uh, creating or putting something together that perhaps you know isn't good enough, but sending it out anyway. Hmm. What life advice would you give this exact same person? Life advice? To sort of balance the creative pursuit. When you do fail, know that it won't be the last time you fail. Know that it'll happen again and steal yourself for it. Hmm. Okay, third one. What advice would you give to your younger self? Don't be so hard on yourself, Sumitra. 
it gets better. It won't for a long time. But at some point it will. Hmm. Persevere. Okay. Last one. Uh, what advice would you give me? One creative to another, one human being to another. Never judge yourself against anybody else's standards except your own. Hmm. Ever. If you think something that you do is good enough, so be it. If it isn't, and if you don't get any acknowledgement that it is, that's absolutely fine. But don't ever feel that you need to judge yourself based on anybody else's standards. Oh, that's such good advice. So interesting. Okay, okay. Very good advice. Very, very apt. Kind of scary. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of scary, yeah. Okay, Um, Sumitra, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I've never laughed so much in an hour, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Except for, I think, maybe a comedy set. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for all the entitled people that you're putting in place. But also all the writing that you're putting out in the world, even if they are 45 minutes before deadline. Thank you for having me. The Creative Curry Podcast is produced by Podex. Huge shout out to my producers, Safwan Sirik, Hanis Farah and Azam Rice. This episode is also edited by Safwan Sirik. The show is created and hosted by me, Dinesha Katigesu. You can find me and my work online at dinesha.com. D-H-I-N-E-S-H-A dot com. Thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to keep telling the stories that you are telling. Oh, 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 oh,